Peace, beautiful people. Come journey with me around the world as I shine a light on stories about music, community, and resistance. This is Excursions with Gina Arias. Cadencia, represento mis ancestros, toda la mezcla. No lo pierdas, bro. Latinoamericano de La Habana, te lo mando con sabor mejor. Cuba, the closest Caribbean island to the United States, just 90 miles from Florida. Vilified by some, revered by the rest. In the past, getting to Cuba from the United States meant traveling via Canada or Mexico and getting a license from the U.S. government. Or traveling illegally without a license. If you went without a license, Cuban customs agents would not stamp your passport, so there'd be no record of your visit. With the easing of regulations to travel to Cuba, we decided it was time to go. My partner, Fred Wons, who is a DJ, graffiti artist, and audio engineer, had never been. For me, an official hip-hop head who loves traveling, it would be my second visit to the island. Our plan was to enjoy the beauty of the people and the culture, so of course that meant checking the hip-hop scene in Havana but we needed contacts. For that, I turned to a friend of mine who co-directed a film about hip-hop in Latin America. When I asked him for contacts in the Cuban hip-hop community, he told me, No, see, they all left Cuba. You gotta go check for them in Miami, California, or New York. Turns out, however, that the hip-hop community is alive and well and thriving. During our short visit, we met MCs, producers, and DJs who are working to push the culture forward while being faced with many challenges, as well as possessing some resources that we were surprised to find. Resources like a government-run rap agency. You heard that right, a government-run institution dedicated to hip-hop. There were also top-notch performance venues and well-equipped rehearsal studios, such as the one we found ourselves in when we caught up with El Lapis and Conciencia, one of the newer school acts that is infusing pride in being of African descent into their lyrics and their sound. We sat down to talk about the Cuban hip-hop scene with El Individuo, who, together with Jay Diacere, make up Conciencia. Talk to me about the hip hop scene in Havana. The scene here in Havana is a bit alternative. We live in the Caribbean, and reggaeton and salsa are big here. It's a more Caribbean sound. But there is a hip hop scene, a hip hop movement that is a bit separated by element. The MCs with the MCs, the B boys with the B boys and the graffiti writers with the graffiti writers. As such, the concept of hip-hop as all those elements united has been somewhat lost here at the moment. But yes, there is a movement that functions. And why do you think that the unity of elements has been somewhat lost? I think it has somewhat to do with the musical tendencies that exist right now. For example, the DJs are more working in the area of electronic music, the b-boys as well. Their dancing is not as associated with hip-hop anymore, and the rappers, the current school of rappers, is more interested in the lyricism as opposed to danceable music, which may be affecting the b-boys as well and their dancing, and so they use more danceable electronic music for their choreographies. 
por lo menos en ese sentido. Let's talk a little about your track Mi Raza. It's a project called Afro Razones, created by DJ Higüe and La Guampara Music Label. DJ Higüe was the DJ for Obsesión. He found both old school and new school rappers to make a compilation whose theme was the traditions of Africa that still exist here in Cuba. This record was worked on a bit more seriously. New York Times, Vibe, Vice, The Fader, they and other media all came here to Cuba interested in that record and that project based on the themes it touched on and the quality of the record. And after this record, a lot of doors have opened for us. Recently, we recorded a track about Ife, and NPR publicized it. And I think it's opened a lot of doors for us new school rappers to the world. Previously, we were sort of here messing around amongst ourselves, and now it's changing into something more serious and respected. And I think the Afro-Rasonis record was super influential for the hip-hop movement here in Cuba, because it wasn't just a record. There were also workshops conducted to teach rappers how to work the networks, which we knew nothing about. Why is it so important to talk about being of African descent? Those were the first themes when hip-hop first started in Cuba, but that was lost after some time. I, myself, to participate in the project, had to read and learn many things I did not know. Besides helping us export the music a bit, it also helped me learn. I knew what I wanted with my music, but I didn't know where it came from. Llevo bajo mi piel sangre que cruzó mares para ser esclavo y la mano de aquel que clavó un puñal sobre su opresor. La valentía de quien batalló contra un tirano, la fialdad de Maceo frente a un fusil español. La oratoria de Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, el valor de Quintín, la escritura de Juan Guasberto Gómez, el partido Pantera Negra, junto al independiente de color grabado los dos en el mismo pullover. Soy folclore, soy llanto, soy guerra, orilla, soy canto, soy monina, soy egobio, soy heriero, soy quebranto, manto de penumbra, huellas de gloria sobre el asfalto, una de destierro y guerras de cultura me hicieron eso. we don't hear on this track is the other half of Conciencia, J.D. Acere. Following our talk with El Individuo, J.D. offered to bring us around Havana to get to know the scene. J.D. led us from studios to private homes to live music spaces such as La Fabrica de Arte, a multi-level art gallery and grade A performance venue created from a former cooking oil factory. The enormous space is filled with art of all kinds and several large stages. We were invited there to watch La Reina y La Real perform. We were told that the duo of MCs was auditioning to be on the roster of artists at the Cuban Agency of Rap. Expecting to see budding amateurs, we were floored to witness the talent and professional level performance of two skilled lyricists backed up by a band, which included a bassist, pianist, drummer, and a horn section. We were lucky enough to meet them after their amazing set and arranged an interview the following day at the historic Havana Libre Hotel, where Fidel Castro set up provisional headquarters following the victory of the revolutionary forces. So what are some of the challenges of being women in this male-dominated scene? We have to be doubly strong. We have to deal with a lot of criticism. Many times we have been censored, 
and had doors closed on us. But here we are. And we want to be an example for all women because it hasn't been easy, but we have accomplished many things. And if we have accomplished them, many women can too. Men that have censored us have thought they were helping us, as if we don't have the same capacity as them in writing lyrics and performing. But that hasn't stopped us. We have shown everyone that being a woman is not a hindrance. In fact, sometimes we have even more to say than men. Something else that has helped us is not playing the victims, not seeing ourselves as less, but on the contrary, to see ourselves as strong and powerful. We are tired of folks telling us that we are emotional and have nothing interesting to say, but we are done with that. We are about doing our work and setting an example. Explain what you mean when you say men have tried to censor you. Censoring is any type of limitations that they want to place on us. Sometimes it's not explicit. For example, sometimes there are events happening and we are not invited and we don't find out about the events until after they've happened. When we first began, our rhyming style was very hardcore. We were imitating men in order to feel more comfortable around them. But then we realized, no. If we are women, we can come at it from our own way. And the sound of our music started to change and incorporate other elements. And that is when we began to hear, oh, that's not rap. One fine day, we decided that we wanted to go beyond the limits of the rap world. The themes and the music don't always have to be so aggressive. So why did two MCs decide to form a band? We were independent artists, but then we started to create music together and people began to identify us together. Someone who worked in the Cuban Agency of Rap, the state-run institution which helps hip-hop artists become recognized as professional artists, strongly encouraged us to audition to become part of the agency's roster of artists. And we auditioned and were not accepted. We were told that together we weren't strong and that maybe if we had auditioned separately, we would have been accepted separately. That day, we decided that we're going to really be La Reina y La Real. We were even told we should change our name, but we decided to keep it. We started thinking bigger. We went to the studio, linked up with the producer, decided to create a band. We called the musicians. The first thing we told them is, look, we don't have one cent to pay you. They laughed. And we're seeing the big results with this idea to form a band. Since our visit, La Reina y La Real have gone on to perform in London and New York, as well as the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. And they were accepted into the Cuban Agency of Rap's roster of artists. We wanted to know more about the state-run institution. Go to find out the director of the agency is also an MC, Ruben Marin of the hip-hop group Primera Base. We were shocked and pleased to enter a government building dedicated to rap music. Not to music in general or to the arts, but to hip-hop. 
Inside the director's office, a heated discussion was ensuing among recent musicology graduates and the director of the agency about the influence of trap music on the Cuban music scene. After their lengthy meeting ended, we were able to speak with Rubén about the work of the agency and the state of Cuban hip-hop. We're in a government-run rap agency. That's not something we have in the United States, even though hip-hop began in the U.S. So we have no concept at all of what a rap agency does. What does a rap agency do? The Cuban Rap Agency was founded on September 6, 2002, and since then has had its goal to promote hip-hop in Cuba. Over 15 years have passed, and we have not succeeded in this function. Right now, the Cuban Rap Agency has a contaminated catalog that includes reggaeton and rap, when it should only be rap. But we are directed by economies. Rap contributes socially, but not economically, so we have to find the balance. However, we think that with just rap, we can obtain this economic peace, if we do a good job. Because we belong to a state institution that gives us the possibility to have the artist paid for his or her work and be a professional. We had heard that hip-hop artists need to enter into the agency and be part of the institution, be part of an empresa, as they called it. I asked Ruben to explain what an empresa is all about. If you have a label, you choose your artists, you make their records, you sell their records, and you represent them. In return, you're going to make a profit, royalties, etc. It's the same thing. We have a catalog of artists who we have working legally for the agency so they can travel and work and be paid for their work. And besides that, we represent them artistically. So if Conciencia wants to perform in a venue, we draw up a contract for that venue. The money comes in, the agency takes a percentage for helping book the act, and the artist gets paid directly for their work. They themselves can go out there and earn money independently. So those artists that are not part of the empresa, they can't do that on their own? No, they don't have the possibility because the country functions in that way, bureaucratically. So what's your vision for the Cuban agency of rap? It's a bit complicated. Because if I look at it from the point of view of an artist, my vision is to include all rappers that are making great art and put them to work and commercialize them. But as a director, I have parameters that I need to follow. Artists need to audition. We need to measure their technical and artistic quality so they can be professional. I defend the artist's vision because I know the talent of many of the artists in the hip-hop community in Cuba. My primary objective is to help artists progress as they make great music in the hip-hop community. I say that I am the director of the Cuban Rap Agency, but I represent the hip-hop movement. I don't only represent the institution. I can be the mediator before any censoring happens because I understand the culture and the scene. And finally, what would you like people in the United States to know about the Cuban hip-hop community? I want it to be clearly understood that we identify with the hip-hop movement in the United States. 
Even though in our country, it is not pure hip-hop, we have followed in the footsteps of a hip-hop generation that has showed us how to go beyond the four elements and into a social paradigm. We want them to come closer to us, to have them come and experience Cuban hip-hop, because that is the only way we can show Cuba that we have a place within the worldwide hip-hop scene. We had heard over and over again, you have to talk to Jimmy Conclase. We were told that he's the only MC that is deep in the b-boy and graffiti scenes as well. As we had learned from our discussion with El Individuo, the elements of hip-hop are quite divided in Cuba. So this person we were told we must talk to was indeed a unique figure in the hip-hop community. Also a producer, activist, and DJ, Jimmy Conclase had a lot, a whole lot, to say about the Cuban hip-hop movement. Climbing up into his small loft room, every inch plastered with hip-hop memorabilia, Jimmy sat pensive and serious. It was as if we had come to visit the temple of a hip-hop wise man. The hip-hop movement in Cuba has been through various periods of transition, beginning with the creation of the international hip-hop festivals that took place here in Cuba, in which we saw an influx of people from all parts of the world documenting our movement which was something we didn't ourselves have the resources to do in Cuba. This allowed us to have a window to the world. Here in Cuba, because all of the problems everyone already knows about, from the economic embargo to the special period, there were crises that made it almost impossible to introduce or access technology in order to document and record the movement with a level of quality comparable to other Latin American countries. As we know, hip-hop emerged from the margins of the hood and eventually developed into its own infrastructure and reaches the mainstream and begins to highlight how the majority of us live. Jimmy had a deep and intimate knowledge of Cuban hip-hop history, but what struck me the most was his vision for the future and how the youth might just be able to be saved through hip-hop culture. It seems to me that hip-hop now has the possibility to enter into the education system where to conduct classes and workshops without any problem at all. And it seems to me the most necessary thing at this point, even more so than having 10 rappers on stage performing or 20 people recording in a studio, to bring to the children a concept of the vanguard of hip-hop so that they can do graffiti with graffiti artists or bringing them to a hip-hop show that they can really relate to. I feel this generation can be saved. These children who are five and six years old that are now starting to raise their antennas can be saved and then in turn can save others. But it seems to me that we have to cut down to the root, like the Cuban literacy campaign in 1961, after the revolution when literacy brigades were sent out to the countryside to teach people to read and write. Now we have to teach how to listen. Listen, 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 listen.
last meet figure we were told to speak with was DJ Ray Mel, a longtime fixture in the Cuban hip hop community who is a producer besides being a DJ and is now a mentor to younger artists. When we finally arrived at the home of the talented DJ and his wife, we were surprised with what we found inside. High-end DJ and production equipment in a humble living space. Eh, primeramente, dime tu nombre, también eh, cuánto tiempo tiene haciendo este tipo de música. How long have you been making hip-hop music and why did you choose this genre? Bueno, mi nombre es Raimel Martínez. I've been making hip-hop music for about 15 years and its sound attracted me right away and it was something that completely changed my life. I owe a lot to hip-hop. So if there were a genre that I were to defend, it would always be hip-hop. Even though I like reggae, funk, dance hall, and many others, but hip-hop is what stayed with me. What are your hopes for the Cuban hip-hop community? What I want most for the hip-hop community here in Cuba is the elimination of censorship and that fear that people have with regard to hip-hop culture. In Cuba, everything is directed by the government, so it has made communications difficult. And in general, the government doesn't really support rap music as a legitimate genre. It sees it more as a threat. MCs touch upon social themes, but Cuban people live day to day in the hood. The Cuban government doesn't want to acknowledge the bad things that we have here. So they paint a picture as if Cuba is a paradise, when in reality there are problems here too. A lot of good things, yes, we have to acknowledge them, but there are things that are wrong and we have to speak on that as well, because if we don't, we won't be able to find the solutions to those problems. So how does the Cuban hip-hop community meet those challenges? Artists meet those challenges by doing their own thing independently, in underground studios like this one, or even more underground than this one and distributing their music in the streets, attempting to perform in the homes of friends or in some spaces where we are allowed to perform in a limited way. That's when we seize our opportunity. What is your vision for Cuban hip-hop? Cuban rap is well known throughout Latin America and has a lot of prestige, so it's sad that in other parts of the world, folks know more about Cuban hip-hop than people here do. So I and all that defend hip-hop culture dream about spreading our music within Cuba more than is currently happening. The Cuban people in general don't really understand what hip-hop is, and they have an image in their mind that is not accurate. So we would like to be better understood here in Cuba. So you don't hear too much hip-hop on the radio here? Hip-hop isn't heard on the radio at all, on any station. Neither is reggae. And there is a lot of good Cuban reggae, but it isn't heard. One phrase that we heard repeated a lot in Cuba was, e complicado, it's complicated. Hip-hop is a historically defiant, anti-establishment genre of music. And in Cuba, like everywhere else in the world, being loudly anti-establishment could have serious consequences. Yet in Cuba, there exists an entire government agency dedicated to hip-hop. The agency of rap may not be as well-funded or prioritized as other state institutions, but it exists. On the other hand, we were told that hip-hop is not heard on the radio at all, on any station. And we heard from several people, including DJ Rimmel, about the difficulty of accessing the internet. This concept may be difficult to understand, 
But every cafe, restaurant, and public space you step into does not have Wi-Fi. Fancy hotels and public parks have Wi-Fi for a fee of one to five seuse per hour. The time of our visit, the average salary was 10 seuse per month, about 10 US dollars. With those 10 seuse per month, you have to eat, bathe, dress yourself, transport yourself, and one hour of Wi-Fi, and bad Wi-Fi at that, is one and a half seuse, you understand? So. It's complicated. So how do you justify uploading your music to SoundCloud or YouTube using a tenth of what you make per month? Jimmy Conclas has shared that he felt that internet access, even more so than other forms of media, will be the key that allows Cuban hip-hop to enter into the 21st century. Now, hip-hop is a male-dominated genre and one steeped in misogyny. But in Cuba, we found women who were forging a path for themselves and on their own terms. And despite the imperfections of hip-hop culture, we heard people express hope for the potential of hip-hop in transforming Cuban society. Yeah, es complicado. Our deepest thanks to all of the Cuban artists who took time out of their day to share their stories. Special thanks to Jay Diacere for spending several days being our steadfast and patient hip-hop guide and to Rod Stars of Rebel Diaz for connecting us to some of the Cuban artists that were interviewed. Voiceovers were provided by Miguel, a.k.a. Migs, Jekka, Reina Moreno, Emma Lee, Rhinoceros Funk, Yazid, and Inticana. Music was provided by Orishas, Conciencia, La Reina y La Real, Primera Base, Fred Ones, Jimmy Conclase, and DJ Raymel. This has been a TME Pro Studios and Baby G production. Peace. Peace.